Good evening. <clears throat> I hope that Pesach was a wonderful experience for each and every one of you. We hope that you and your mishpachas will feel the flow of the tremendous Shefa Rav and the Hashpa from Chag HaPesach. And this Shabbos, Bezus Hashem, is going to be Rosh Chodesh Eir. It's Friday and Shabbos. It's always a two-day Rosh Chodesh. The second day of Rosh Chodesh, which is Shabbos this week, is the Yorzeit of Remendel of Vitebsker. Remendel of Vitebsker left Russia in 1777 and he moved to Tzvats, and after six months, he moved down to Tveria, where he lived for the next ten and a half years of his life, um, because he said that there was a Bosco coming out every night and calling out Shuvu Bonin Shovovin, and he couldn't sleep the hour and night that he used to sleep because there was this shouting in the air. It was, of course, a spiritual Basco, but he was at the level to hear it. And he lived in Feria for ten and a half years till 1788, and then he was Nifter. Um, the Balatanya, who was this, one of the star students of the Mizritcha Magid, considered, and the Mizritcha Magid asked him to write a Shulchanorach, and he asked him to be the chavrusa of his son. He chose with all these tzaddikah, and he wanted the balatanya, the balatanya after the batira of the Mizritcha Magad in 1772, uh, considered Reb Mendele Vitebsker his rebbe, and in all of the letters he wrote in correspondence, that he had with him, he addressed the Moiri Verabi, and we even see see from his that the summon box, a Shmek Tabak box, that the Balatanya gave him as a matona, and it's inscribed Le Moiri Verabi, Harav Menachem Mendel, Mi Vitebsk, Talmido. Schneer Zalman ben Rivka. So we see in the high esteem that the Balatanya held Reb Mendele, and they once came running from Yerushalayim that Mashiach had come. They felt that in the air and they blew Shoifer. So Reb Mendele went and opened the window of his one room apartment where he lived in Tveria, and he stuck his head out of the window and he gave a whiff. And he said, no, it's not in the air. He's not here yet. So the Lubavitcher Rebetzin said on this story, why did he have to stick his head out of the window? Just give a whiff and say if it's in the air or not. It's a simon, she said, that by him, by he himself, by Remendela, the Reich of Mashiach was in the air, in his apartment. But he had to stick his head out of the window to know what was doing in the world. Now we know that the B'nai Soska brings the famous, that ear is spelled 
Aleph Yud Reish or Aleph Yud Yud Reish. Aleph Yud Reish stands for Ani Hashem Rofecha, and indeed it is a Chodesh of complete healing. Um, and the Aleph Yud Yud Reish stands for Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Rachel. We know that the Merkava in Shamayim has four legs to it, and the Dalad Ragli HaMerkava is Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and Rachel Imenu. The Bnei Yisoscher says that Chodesh Nisan is Keneged Rashi Tfilin and the Olam HaBriya. We know there's four Olamas, Asiya, Yitzira, Bria, and Atzilus. And davening is divided into those four worlds. And Ashkenaz and Svart have a difference of opinion. If Hodu is part of Bria, of Asiya, or Yitzira, the Ashkenaz hold that Hodu is part of Yitzira, and therefore it comes after Baruch Shemar. Because Baruch Shemar, everyone agrees, is the line of demarcation for the Olam HaYetzira. But the question was that the Mekubalim had the question, and many others, is Hodu part of Yetzira or Asiya? So the Svart and those who doubt in Svart say Hodu first before Baruch Shemar, because they hold that it's the Olam HaSiya, and the Ashkenazim hold that it is in the Olam HaYetzira, and that's why they say Hodu after they have said Baruch Shemar. The Bnei Yisoscher says that Rashi Tfilin is connected the Olam HaBriya, and that is Chodesh Nisa. But Rabbeinu Tam is connected to Olam Atzilus, what we say Shemona Esrei. The Olam Atzilus, Rabbeinu Tam, is higher, and that's the reason why the entire month of year, every night we count Sphira. That means in Chodesh Nisan, we start the second day of Pesach, and we go the rest of the month, but it's not the whole month. And in Sivan, we finished the last five days of Sphira in Sivan. But again, it's not the whole month. But Ear is so big and at its level because the process of refinement with the Sphira Saoma, that means if someone was to get up and count days in the middle of the summer or the middle of the winter, it'd be meaningless. But we are told that with this mitzvah that we have the ability to etch into the essence of that day by the mere saying of what the Chachamim said we should say in the counting of the Svira to go to the absolute essence and to refine it, to elevate it, to be able to have it flourish by the combination of what those divisions are each and every day. 
So each and every person should be very careful to count Svira and not miss a day because it really is a tremendous spiritual medicine by not missing a day and by counting each and every day. Now, this week's Sedra, it's a double Sedra. It's Sazria and it's Mitzora. Sazria talks a lot about the Negat Saras, and so does Mitzora, but the very beginning of Sazria talks about the fact that a woman gives birth. And the Torah says that if she gives birth to a boy, she has Vitama Shivas Yamim, there's seven days, plus another 33. If she gives birth to a girl, then she has 66 days, two weeks, and then 66 days, double the boy. So the Orachayim HaKadosh and the Kotzke Rebbe elaborated and basically say the same thing. Why does the boy have less Tumah, days of Tumah for the mother who gave birth to him versus the girl? And what they say is that everything in this world either has Kedusha or it's Tumah, it's one or the other. There's no in-between that it's not this and it's not that. It's one or the other. And since a woman is a creator, because she has the children, everything else involved is much less because the actual creation of the child and giving birth to the child and sustaining the child for the night. It's the woman. And that's the word that they use, creator, that she becomes similar and comparable to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, who creates people. And she is the vehicle, the vehicle. And therefore she goes into the category of creator. A boy is not a creator. He's kadosh, and he's going to have the chiv of all sorts of mitzvahs and even more than the girl, but he's not going to give birth to children. So says the Arachayimah Kadosh in the Kotzke Rebbe that since she is the creator, once she gives birth, once she has the baby in her body, she's a kadosh. She's creating a new being, what's going to have a neshama and everything. But once the baby leaves her body, then there's a void of the kedusha, and therefore she goes into a state of tumah, but a higher level, a level a higher level of of Tumah because she was so high in the level of Kedusha and that absence brings her into the realm of Tumah and that's why by her it's Shivuayim 
that it's two weeks and it's 66 days. And it's not the one week of a boy and the 33 days, which really is a very interesting thing. You know, the women always felt these feminist movements that the women are put down, that they have to sit on the other side of the mechitza, and uh, they always had their tinnitus to the Jewish religion. But the truth is, from the Leda of our Parsha, you see clearly that she's given a preference and there's a, a, a reason because she's a creator and the absence of the Kedusha does just that. Now, we know that there are different things which come about from the Mishnah and Erechin says there's seven things that cause saras. Now they translate saras as leprosy and it, not, it isn't at all that because you see that it appears, it appears on the house, it appears on the clothing and the first step is that if the Tsaras comes, it comes to the house. And the Pusik says, Vehera el HaKohen, that he shows the Kohen what's doing in his house, and the Kohen makes a determination. Now, it's supposed to bring the person to tshuva to recognize that there is a major mistake, that he is doing something wrong somehow, and to recount what, what is his station in life and why is this Tsaras coming to the house. Now, if he doesn't do any tshuva, then the second thing that happens, it comes on the clothing, and vehuva elakoin, he is brought, not he shows the coin, but vehuva elakoin, that he is brought to the Koyen because he's not doing the tshuva and it's going further. So the point is that we are showing different signs in life, that things happen. And sometimes we see the good and even though everything is for the better, but he looks at it from a very short-sighted thing. Does it look good to him? Is it his mazel? Is it this? Or not? Now, over here, when he brought the coin, he knew there was a problem. He's the one who brought the coin. He showed it to the coin. But he didn't do the tshuva. The wake-up call and to smell the coffee he didn't do. And therefore it went to the next level. And then he's brought and told, wake up, the Koyin. He's brought to the Koyin. 
and a determination is made at that point, is it or isn't it still Tommy? And we know that Rashi says that when the house became Tomei, you know, you had to knock down the house. So Rashi says that when they came to Eretz Yisrael and the Canaanim were there, they had a custom of taking their gold and silver and hiding it as a treasure in the house. And when the man who got the tsaras knocked down the house, most of the time he found a treasure. So the Mephoshim are curious. I mean, something bad happened here and that's why he had the tsaras. So why is he rewarded with the treasure? If you did something wrong, why the, the house was worth $100,000 and the treasure was 600000 So why did they end up? There was a problem. But the answer is that when we see a situation, we think if it looks bad, it's terrible. But the answer is that usually what you think is terrible the Yeshua and the gift comes from it. This man who was crying that he had to knock down his house became six times richer because of the treasure that he found in the house, which means that there's a treasure in every Indian. And many times it's hard to believe because sometimes there's tragedies and people think, how could this be good? How could that? And they don't know. Sometimes, like Rav Shimshon Estrapolah, he was shown in heaven that there, at the time of Tach Vitat, when he lived, that there was going to be a Magefa and another million Yidden were going to die, unless he accepted on himself to be tortured to death, and then those million people would not be touched or harmed and he chose to be tortured to save the million people. Now somebody who saw it said, Reb Shemshin was Koydish Kodoshim that the Tzaddikim used to jump when they just said his name. He was tortured? He was the biggest Tzaddik of 500 years. But the answer is, someone who saw what was doing in Shemayim there was a million people that would have been killed. And he chose, if he didn't want to choose it, they gave him the choice. So there's a second way of looking at the death, the tragic death, but it did save a million people. And that was the same thing with the type of treasure that was found in the house that... Yes, you had a nega, we hope you did shuva. And meantime, you're going to have to knock down your house, but meantime, you're going to most probably find the treasure. And, and that opened his eyes that, wow, I thought it was the terrible klola or kapeda of someone. What happened to me, and look what ended up happening. I became so much 
richer. Now, the Chidushe Harim says that the difference between the word oneg, which means pleasure, oneg Shabbos, and nega is only where you put the ayin. That means oneg is spelled ayin nun gimel. And nega is spelled nun gimel ayin. So if you take the ayin and you put it at the very beginning of the word nega, and not at the end, it turns from nega, plague, to oneg, to the true pleasure that the person uh, has. And what does he mean by it? Because the Pasuk in our center says, Lo hofach eno, that the Tsaras didn't have in it a yellow hair. In other words, did the appearance of the Tsaras change? And if the Kohen sees Lo hofach eno, that the appearance of the Tsaras did not change, he proclaims again that it's Tomei. The man is Tomei. But says the Chidushi Arim, the way he translated the Pasuk, Lo Eino, that the ayin at the end did not change and be put up front and become Oneg, that the person had to realize, why did you become a Mitzorah? Now, we commonly say it's the Lashon Hara. But if you look at the Mishnah and Erechen, it talks about Tzorah's Ha'ayin, that a person who's stingy, and it doesn't mean only money. It means, and it says Beferish, that it means with words, that if somebody is stingy with words, and how, how could you be stingy? You're passing someone that's very broken, and your good morning with a smile, or you take even 30 seconds, how are you, and you mean it, you can uplift that person completely. But if the person, eh, I can't be bothered, I'm in a rush, I got, he can't afford the 10 seconds. That's called Tsaras Ha'ayin, and that is called a reason that validates a Tsaras. So it's not only the Lashon Hara, but it's the, the entire embodiment of what is happening with the person, and is he so self-centered that right away a person says, uh, could you come make a minion? Oh no, I'm, I'm late for this, or I'm busy, I don't have the time. Yet he then takes an hour on the phone listening to a friend's Lashonara and, and his moods and everything else about what's happening and what this one did to him and what that one did to him. So a person really chooses what he does and how he lives the 24 hours of the day. 
and he can either elevate each and every minute or he can just pull it down and it doesn't go anywhere. So that is how the Chidushi Arim explained Lohofach Eino. He didn't take the ayin from the end of the word nega and put it up front and turn it into a pleasure that his personality was upgraded by the experience and that he was able to learn from it and he was able to spread the good word and the good feeling and, and uplift his surroundings rather than just be self-centered with what he needs and what he wants and what he and he and he, that the whole world is just he. And indeed, the Zohar HaKadosh at the beginning of Mitzorah says, when the Pusik says, that the Mitzorah had to bring two birds. So one Sipor was for the Lashonara, or the Tzorosayim, why he got the Tzoraz. But the other one says the Zohar HaKadosh is for the Lishna Tova, the Lishna Bisha, the Lashonara, and the good one was Lishna Tava, good, what he said, good. Now, why should he have to bring a Korban at Sipor for the good things he said? Because if he said good morning to the person, but he didn't take the extra 30 seconds to accept, because the person is happy to hear it. You're uplifting a person without giving him to eat, without giving him money, without giving him a ride for an hour somewhere. You're making a difference in that person's day. <coughs> that requires a korban. <coughs> Excuse me, and the Zohar Kodesh says that that second seabird indeed is a kapara for the good talk. You say something good, but you didn't have the patience or the interest of really the other person. You were busy engrossed in what should you say and how are you projecting yourself and are you making an impression. And words, everything begins with you and ends with you. So that's what the Zohar HaKadosh says. <coughs> we know that Lashon Hara came to this world, be the first one to talk to Lashon Hara, <coughs> excuse me, was Chava with the Nachash. The Nachash said, there's no problem for you to eat. Oh, no, she answered him. HaKadosh Baruch who gave us a hundred, all this good that was... A Madrega, there's Yemosa Mashiach, then there's Trias Mason, then there's Olam Haba. They were living at the level of Olam Haba, higher than Trias Mason, higher than Yemosa Mashiach. And she said to the Nachash to Storm, say, Look at all the good. And he answered and said, No, 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 Akkurish Baruch, who's afraid you're going to become like him. So he doesn't want any competition. That was Lashonara. That's the first Lashonara of the world. And look what we paid for it. 
We, she never would have had to go out of Olam Haba. There never would have been sickness or death in the world. And there is. Because she ended up eating and talked her husband into eating also. So the power of the mouth is unbelievable. And her son could have a razor sharp tongue and open up his mouth to someone and destroy the person. Worse than if they would have smacked them 10 times because the smack and a half an hour is gone. But sometimes the hurt of lacing into another person with what they want to get even for what somebody said or how somebody acted and they want to dig in that the person should get to the point of tears. So it can be a most destruct, just like it could be fantastic, and we can pick up the spirits of people, but it can be a very dangerous, destructive thing that we possess in our mouth, <clears throat> with our tongue, with our expressions, with our our speech in dealing with people and dealing with our surroundings. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, there is a Haftorah, and I feel the lesson is so important. I know five years ago I mentioned this to you, and I think maybe even three years ago, on my Friday Shurim, which I've been giving like 20 years, but I always feel there are certain concepts and certain thoughts that a person has to constantly be reminded and reinforce his backbone of character. And the Haftorah of our Parsha, of Sazria, talks about Naaman, who was the Sard Aram. He was a mighty warrior. And he was smitten with Saras. And he ignored it and this, and he was like a, unbelievably could have fought off 30 people himself. He was so mighty. But when the Saras came, and it got worse and worse and worse, they gave him advice that he should go to Elisha and he is a healer, like a miracle person. And he may be able to help him. And he went. And he came to the house of Elisha. And Elisha's assistant came out and asked him, what are you here for? And he told him, I am reeking in pain all over my body. So... The assistant went back to Elisha, and Elisha, who was inside, said, tell him to go to the Yarday and to be toyful seven times, and it will rid him of the entire Tsaras, and he can go back home healthy and fine and <clears throat> able to live his life. Here he was such pain, he couldn't do anything. So Naaman's reaction was, Elisha sent 
out a mess of his assistant? I am Naaman, Sartz of Vomer, I'm the general. I direct traffic, and Aram at that time was like the center of world power, and he was the general. And he sends me out an assistant to tell me to go. He didn't come out himself? Goodbye. I don't need, need, his, need his advice. I don't need his opinion. I'm going back home. <clears throat> and it says that he was in such grief and pain that it came a point that he had to go to the Yardane and indeed he dipped himself in seven times and he went home a healed man. Now, if we stop for just a moment to think of this Haftorah, he was in such pain, but his ego didn't let him be cured. He chose at that moment to remain sick, troubled, and in completely encompassed within a realm of grief and pain because his ego was touched. Elisha didn't come out himself. He sent a messenger to me. I am Naman, the Sartsevo Aram. And he suffered for all that extra time that he couldn't function even as a general because he couldn't come back to himself until the point that he almost died, and then he went to the Arden. How much grief, pain, and problems do we bring on ourselves? Because we say, oh, that person? I'm not going to dive in there and have to see that person who didn't speak to me properly or didn't do, I needed direction, and didn't want to give me the 10 minutes to tell me, that, oh no, I, you need to go there. That's the shul where you can answer Yehoshmi Rabba. You live too far to go to the, oh no. Meantime, I'm not going anywhere. So who is the person hurting? The one who didn't give him the directions? The one who may have said a comment that wasn't to his liking? Is that the one? who ended up being hurt? Or was it he himself that he denied himself the 20 Yehoshmei Rabbas of Shabbos and the, the 10 of the weekdays, the biggest chus that the Gemara and Bracha says, a person who answers Yehoshmei Rabba that they tear up a gazar din against him and his family of 70 years. They're supposed to live for 70 years with troubles and problems. One Yehoshmei Rabba with 100% Kavana. Doesn't mean shouting. It means saying it with your full intent and your full feeling. It, it, it Gemara says it. Tears up 70 years of Dentoisus on the discussion in Brochus about, about Yehoshmei Rabba. That's what it says. So which normal person wouldn't stop for a moment and many things and listen. 
Yes, I am offended, but I have a lot more to lose by letting my ego get the better of me at this juncture. And if I choose not to be associated, that's my business. I don't have to talk about it. I don't have to say anything. And I certainly don't have to take action, <coughs> excuse me, that is going to adversely hurt me in my ruchnius. Give up a thousand Yehoshmei Rabbas because you don't want to see the guy. Don't look at him. Don't sit near him. But don't let the ego destroy you. Now, I want to quote to you the Medrash, that the Medrash of this week says that Rav Yanai was one of the biggest Amaroyim, that there was a peddler, a Rachel. A Rachel means a peddler, someone who goes from door to door and he sells his fares. And this Rachel made an announcement in one city that, that anyone I have as one of my elixirs, one of my valuable items that I'm selling is a liquid, that, that an item that's going to bring you long life. So the Medrash says everyone came running. What could he have that's going to extend life? So the Medrash says that when everyone came, he said, Watch what you say. And if you watch it, you will be very, very gifted with long life. You know, the Chavetz Chaim, who was really the pinnacle, the, the source of so many swarm we have today about Lashon Hara, you would have thought that the Chavetz Chaim never talked because he watched his mouth and he was so careful with Lashon Hara. And that's why he wrote so many swarm about it and everything that came from his efforts. But we know <coughs> that people who went to learn by the Chavetz Chaim said he was busy talking all the time. He was a big conversationalist and he communicated with the people constantly. People came to see him because he watched every nitzor l'shon, to watch what you say. He was careful not to talk l'shonara, but that didn't mean he had to become a monk on top of a mountain that he didn't come in contact with people because it'll break. So when Rav Yanai heard this speech from the Rochel, he made a statement that my whole life I never fully understood that Pusik. And it was Kedai to have this Rachel come to our town to enlighten me. Now, Rav Yanai was an Amora. He could have been Machaya Mason. So he didn't know the Pshat and Nihoesha Chovetz But the Meforshim on the Medrash explained he thought 
that to watch your mouth, you have to talk and never talk. You have to be careful. And a rochel is the essence of travel in the sky. How does a rochel come to someone's house? Many of them would say, oh, did you hear what happened in your next village with Chaim and with Shloima and start talking to Loshanara to captivate the person to make a sale, to be able to create atmosphere that he would be able to make a sale. But this Rachel, who talked all day, because that was the way he earned his living, but he used the cementing factor of his life, the fact that Miho Isha Chofetz Chaim Ohev Yomim Liros Tov, this was the essence of life. And that's why Rav Yanai said that I never fully understood because I thought people just have to keep quiet and you have to watch what you're saying. And you can't be a conversationalist. And from this Rochel, who's the biggest conversationalist, I learned that you could be a conversationalist, but you have to tie in tie in the machshava of shmiras haloshan, watching how and what you say, and that I learned from the Rochel. Temporarily. So I want to encourage everyone to make the most of Chodesh ear, which we are encompassed with the sphere of Soimer, and that's why the month in its essence is so big. We got the Mon and the Be'er of Miriam, that we had the water miraculous, and that Be'er traveled all around with the Yidden in the Midbar, and then when they came into Eretzel, it went to Tverion, that's why the Arizal took Reb Chaim Vital on a little rowboat. And at some point in the Kinneret, he told him to take out a cup and make a bracha and drink. So Reb Chaim Vital realized a month later, a few weeks later, that he suddenly, every time he learned a zoyer or something, it was clear as could be. So he asked his Rebbe, what happened suddenly that I have such clarity? He said, because the place in the Kinneret that I told you to take a cup and take a drink is Be'er Shel Miriam. And that's the Mayonos HaChochma. And you were given that gift at that time when I told you to take the drink. So we got the Be'er and we got the Mon I mean, things, lechem abirim ochal ish, that that was a, a food that they ate, but it was a spiritual food. But they, but they did have it here physically in the world, and that's how they existed the entire time. Uh, and human failure, that even that they, they criticized, that, oh, how much can we eat of that? Uh, it was a heavenly food, that any taste you wanted, it tasted like. But they still found a criticism to it. But we are encompassed and we are immersed in the hours and seconds and minutes of the month of year. 
that really can propel a person to the highest of high, and he can come properly to Har Sinai when we go into Chodesh Sivan. Have a good Chodesh and uh, the new Chodesh ear when it comes Thursday, uh, Friday and Shabbos that we should be able to avail ourselves of all the opportunities of the levels of Kedusha that it provides and uh, presents in its essence.